to this week's Frankly Golf podcast. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas and this is podcast number 21. Wow. Not quite sure how we managed to get to number 21. <laughs> I'm not sure where the time's gone, Frank, but uh, every week just flies by. And this week we are going to be talking about golf shafts, something that I know you know something about, but thought we might have a look at golf shafts through the years talk a little bit about your development of the graphite shaft and look into golf shafts in the future and what we should all look for when selecting a golf shaft. So let's get started. And yeah, should... that, that, that's about a month worth of, of podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it <laughs> within reason. Um, but, uh, you know, let's get started by talking, first of all, about hickory shafts. Now, I have to say, hickory shafts are sort of my favourite when I... I have tried a hickory shafted club and it's just amazing how flexible it is and how you really have to have a different swing with it. Oh yeah, the shaft is an important part of the, of, of equipment, you know, with, yeah. without it you've got nothing connected to the head, you, you're not connected to yourself. The shaft is important and, and obviously the game started with a club which comprised of a head and a shaft and a grip, etc. So, um, and uh, it... Uh, it was made of wood originally, uh, hickory or willow, or but it was solid, right. and and uh, that lasted for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look back at, you know, I know there's societies in the UK, and in fact, we've got a few friends who are members of such societies that go out with their hickory hickory clubs and play, and um, it's quite a different experience. If you've never hit a hickory um, club, you should definitely give it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them were, were reasonably stiff, uh, though, you know, but not not, not like uh, the stiff steel shaft. But um, they, they were very flexible, and timing was important. You had to play the the, the game a little bit more. The swing was going to be a little different than the steel shaft. Yeah, and it was in 1910 that the patent for the first steel shaft was filed. That's right. That's right. 1910 uh, was when the steel they they decided that you know this new material. Or not new material. Steel was around for a long time, but but hickory was beginning hard to find, and it was a little inconsistent. And so people thought about steel, and they had various shapes and and structures on it. Uh, the first ones weren't hollow, uh, but even they couldn't even use them. But basically, that but they were introduced. We had uh, discussions about that uh, in the past, and and um, the shaft itself, uh, the steel was uh, disapproved. Yeah, even though it was introduced for play and when it became, they perfected this shaft, uh, it was disapproved uh, in 1923 by the USGA and eventually approved in 1924. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, RNA eventually approved it in, in 1929. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think what's interesting when we consider, and we spoke about this earlier, Frank, but when you consider, you know, the hickory shafts were solid, you know, they, they were solid pieces of wood, if you like, um, whereas the steel shafts, as you pointed out to me, which is something that, I mean, I don't know, I'd not thought that much about it, but were, you know, like hollow in the middle. And it's sort of an interesting progression as we move through, as manufacturing improves and we're able to do different things with materials. Um, you know, and I know they used various other materials after after steel, so they tried aluminum, fiberglass, even titanium. Right, right. The um, the fiberglass shafts were the first ones that basically started 
moving away from steel and metal and try to use fiberglass. Uh, Gary Player actually won uh, a competition um, major in 1968 using um, uh, fiberglass shafts. They didn't have very good uh, torsional property. They twisted very easily. Um, but you have to understand that, that um, making a, a golf shaft after with, with fibers, just longitudinal fibers and fibers just straight down like, like a rod, um, like a fishing rod was, uh, is is uh, okay, but it, but uh, it doesn't take into account the benefits of of fibers. When you get reinforced fibers, and I say reinforced, I mean the fibers are surrounded by an epoxy resin, and mm-hmm. if you get those, so but but if you want to build a structure out of it, you have to understand what the structure is going to be. Now, as you just, as you suggested, that the steel shaft is actually hollow. It's like a tube, obviously. Right. But similarly, if you're going to build other other um, uh, use other materials to build a shaft, a hollow is is a very a very very efficient way of doing it uh-huh. because it, it it saves a lot of weight uh-huh. and you get all of the properties that you're looking for on the outside or the perimeter or the uh, the side of the tube. So, um, but uh, what we need to understand is that that uh, because the fibers. Are, are basically new when when we talked about you know reinforced plastics that's relatively new and and uh it was i mean in in, in the sixties and the fifties they started coming in, but everything was made of fiberglass for a while, but they were just chopped strand little little bits of fiber mixed into into the into the epoxy resin and and molded in the form of a chair or a table or even a boat mm-hmm. so uh but that was chopped strand. When we started really taking advantage of the fibers, which are the, the tensile strengths that you can pull very good, and if you take advantage of that and then weave, so to speak, weave the um, the shaft or the material, the fibers around the mandrel to make it a hollow shaft, but in the direction of stress, which is not only the flexion, flexion flexural property, but also the torsional property. They have to not twist too much. So that was the that was the the, the tricky part about moving from fiberglass, sort of the chopped strand fiberglass, making tables, etc., into into and fishing rods even into into a structure such as a, a golf shaft. You know, we're just going to talk in a minute about the, the graphite shaft, and I'm not sure that we really quite appreciate the detail that goes in into that, and um, how exactly it works. Um, but you know, obviously, Frank, you um, went ahead and took the material called graphite and introduced it into a shaft. And with all your experience in fiberglass, um, you know, just tell us a little bit about the material and how all that came about. Well, recognizing that that uh, reinforced plastics was was uh, becoming a, a, a material of the future, uh, this was in the late sixties. Well, in the sixties, uh, uh, we recognized that, but for structural purposes, in the in the sixties, and uh, um, I was designing. Uh, I was asked to, to to come up with the best golf shaft uh, it was uh, ever ever made by by Henry Shakespeare. Uh, of uh, who was uh, the CEO of, of, and, and chairman of, of Shakespeare Golf Company, and um, uh, and Shakespeare Sporting Goods because they made more than just golf equipment. They made they made fishing. the fishing rods. Yeah, and 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 that's where and he, and Gary Player was using some of those those um, fishing rod <laughs> golf rods, 
<laughs> and and still did extremely well. It shows that what a good golfer he was. He caught a really big one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, once once you recognize that that you have to do this thing, and then um, I was working with with reinforced plastic with fiberglass, continuous strand fiberglass. And and uh, making a developed had to develop a machine to be able to weave it a filament winding machine, and we had some very good fiberglass shop, but they 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 were good from the point of view of the flexing and and, and the torsional property, but still reasonably heavy, so there wasn't any major advantage over steel. So then uh, in 1960, uh, graphite was invented uh, by Union Carbide and was used in the space industry. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty interesting because when you look at the material itself, I mean, the way that eventually Union Carbide gave you the material, it's in fibres, yeah. right? And very fine. They're very, very fine. I mean, I think it was, is it 50 that make up the width of a human hair? I mean, that's like hard to believe. No, yeah. Uh, uh, 50 fibres would be the same volume as a, as a, as a human hair. Wow. Make it up. And and uh, the thing was that they were continuous, you know, and, and, and uh, long, you know, and, and rather than little little pieces. And so you had the ability to be able to weave these these fibers once you'd surrounded them in a matrix of epoxy. Epoxy is the, the preferred matrix used in, in uh, composites in, in um, graphite and reinforced plastics. Uh-huh. And the material itself was 14 times stronger than steel, so inherently it was, you know, very light, but stronger than steel, lighter and stronger than steel. That was what made it so attractive. It was very strong and very light. Uh, so, and as I say, as you said, 14 times stronger than steel for the same same uh, uh, weight. So it was uh, very, and that's why it was used in space. They used it in pressure vessels, uh, which were okay. And, and and the first fiber that I was introduced to, because a friend of mine, he became a friend of mine, Bob Forsyth from Union Carbide, recognized I was doing this research on on um, uh, golf shafts and, and composite golf shafts or reinforced plastic golf shafts, and he asked me to try and use the material. But he gave me the material to, that was the same as uh, was used in space. Uh-huh. And and I quickly found out, and I said, well, it's, it's not a bad material to, for me to use. However, it's extremely stiff and not as strong, so it's not balanced. And I knew that uh, that we couldn't make a shaft out of it, and shafts would just shatter. Yeah, and you've got it's a quite a funny story when you you know developed uh, you know you you worked with various. Um, iterations of the material until you got to the perfect material but one day Henry Shakespeare came to you and you had you know some very early prototypes and he wanted to take one out and hit it right right <laughs> yeah the, that, that high high um, was a 50 million modules very stiff and only 250 tensile strength so 250,000 so uh, the material was 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 going to shatter, and but and I knew it was a problem, but it made it because I just applied uh, the the it to the uh, uh, work I was doing on the on the fiberglass, and I, I it was looked pretty, yeah, <laughs> and it was very light, but I knew it was going to shatter, and he he said to me, put a head on it, and he cooked it, put a head on it, and I said, uh, you know, 
I, I don't think I should do that. I think it's gonna it's gonna break. I but just put it on. Just give it to me, and it did. And and, and uh, we put a head on it. And he took it out. And a matter of two hours later, he came back with his head a head in one hand and the shaft in another <laughs> hand. <laughs> and and I said to him, yeah, he said, well, you you said it was going to happen. So I said, yeah, but don't worry about it because we're now working on on modifying the material that'll that will make a good golf shaft. Uh-huh. I think that's what's interesting. I mean, as you go through the the phases of developing any new product, it's sort of you have to you try the just try these things, see what happens, experiment, and then move forward. Right? I mean, do have you found that in a lot of the products that you've developed? Right, around? but but I, I think in this case we were very uh, careful about developing the properties of the material. Steel has been around for a long time, so you knew exactly, you'd go to a book and say, oh, what are the tensile strengths? And I want to, I want to build this, uh, make this, design this, this, this beam. So I build, build the beam, but I have to, how big should it be? Well, here are the dimensions of it. And, and for that, those dimensions, you can then design the strength of it and whether, whether it's going to flex or not and everything else. But you use the material property. There weren't any of these material properties for this particular material because yeah. it was new. So we'd have to do material research at the same time as we were doing, de- de- designing the, the golf shop. And uh, that allowed us to be able to do, to predict what the torsional properties and the flexural properties were going to be. That's very interesting. And then you you um, you took one of those early shafts and put it in a putter, right? Well, a putter doesn't go through the same, um, same forces that, that a driver does. You know, force it. so yes, I, I thought it was going to be fun. Let me take it and put it in a in a putter, which I did. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, I was traveling, even though I'd, uh, we had produced the final shafts in 1970, because the 1969 got developed, 68 to 69, developed the graphite shaft. And then in 1970, I happened to be traveling and on American Airlines, and and uh, I had my golf club with me, golf clubs. And this putter that you talked about with the, with the first uh, very, very, uh, um, it was a brittle, if I, <laughs> a, a brittle shaft. And I, and I knew that it was going to break if anybody tried to. And, you know, the, the way the hand, uh, baggage handlers handle your bags was sort of rough. Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. I think they must get a certain bonus if they, for how far they can throw a, a golf bag. But anyway, <laughs> um, they happened to break that putter. And mm. uh, then I claimed, I wrote to the, the American Airlines and said, you've broken my putter. They said, all right, well, you know, send it to us. Or How much did it cost? Well, the actual cost of that particular putter was four to $5,000 oh, because of the shaft. The shaft. Was it, uh-huh. yeah, redeveloping. That's what happens with, in the first prototype. And so I said to him, $5,000. So they said, uh, "No, we will. You tell us um, how to, who you got it from, or no, how we can." So um, they wanted to do it themselves instead of giving the five thousand dollars, which is okay. Uh, but what happened was they had to source out, find out who made gra- gra- graphite shaft. And as we were the only people making graphite shaft, <laughs> they had to come back to us to get, you, get the did graphite shaft. Did you fix your own putter? So we <laughs> fixed our own putter and. And with the, with the new shaft, the, the better material, uh-huh. and I still have that's, that one. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. That's a good story. And yeah, I've got a question for you. You know, when we, we talk about the graphite shaft, I mean, when you were developing it, did you recognize how important it was at the time? Um, I think when the Union Carbide came to me 
uh, and told me about the material, I was very impressed. Uh, and uh, once we had modified it, uh, and they knew they were working with us to modify it, but uh, the objective was to try and get it out of the space industry and into the consumer market mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. because the space industry wasn't enough to, to make any money out of it. They knew if they could get it into the consumer market, then it would really take off. And uh, golf was one of the best ways of introducing it into the consumer market because most of the CEOs of major companies played golf. And if they had seen this, this material in a golf shop, they think about using it in other properties. And, and as you know right now, almost every sporting goods product where strength and lightweight are required, they're using graphite. Mm -hmm. the graphite material that we developed in 1968, 69. And, uh, and now it's going through the consumer market. So, but that, that was the objective. But I'd, yes, to answer the question in a short form, uh -huh. yes, it, it was very impressive. And I knew we, we had something that was really worthwhile uh, okay. pursuing. And knowing what you know now, looking forward, um, what do you see on the horizon for golf shafts? I, I mean, do you see any step function similar to what happened from steel to graphite? Well, from steel to graphite, we literally uh, halved the weight. Mm -hmm. And and there were some reasonably good, um, very good steel shafts, but for the same flex, flexural properties, uh, yeah, we halved the weight. So it was a fairly significant from from four ounces down to about two ounces, uh -huh. uh, and you don't need weight in the shaft because that's that's just uh, you know you're getting you transfer you're trying to transfer the momentum from yourself to the to the to the, the ball and to the ball etc. So so but uh, you don't need that that mass in the in the shaft. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I I I'm sure there'll be something coming, but. I can't foresee anything right now mm -hmm. uh, because you have to then reduce the weight so significantly uh -huh. and and you can't change the properties of the shaft too much because we're almost you know right there so it's, it's a very good shaft from the point of view of the torsional properties and the flexural properties and everything else but the weight is the only thing that seems to be something which we try and aspire to but even from a from a golfer's point of view you're really not going to get so much, very much advantage from reducing the weight again, maybe even half an ounce, which is a fairly significant reduction now. Right, right. But even if you did that, you're not going to get anything. So I don't think there's the incentive to really find a new, very much lighter shaft. Yeah, because I suppose it would, if it was some sort of new magic material, it would be probably a lot more expensive as well for well, the benefit that you would get. Yeah, but there is a lot of magic in golf. We know that. <laughs> and speaking of magic, what magic um, should people expect if they, you know, if they don't have a graphite shaft already or move to a graphite shaft? Or, you know, what would you say are the, the real benefits for golfers of, you know, using a graphite shaft in, in their clubs? Well, if, if you believed all the hype that's been going on for, for about 20 years about graphite uh, being, you know, hitting the ball 20 yards further, that's not true. Um, the, the graphite shaft in a driver, just the change from steel to graphite, may be about five or six yards difference. Uh -huh. uh, but then the thing is, that's more important is you can swing uh, the same speed with less effort. Right. And and if you have less effort, then you can actually have, you know, control your swing a little bit more. 
That's great, Frank. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge on the subject with us. Well, not all your knowledge, just like a snippet of it, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we learned a lot about tensile strength, torsional uh, properties. It's been fascinating. And, um, you know, th thanks so much for, uh, for sharing that with us. And we'll be back in touch next week. But until then... May the frog be with you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.